Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? I am fatigued this week. I uh, am back on a sort of training, trying to push things up with races returning. I am so a big volume block here, trying to ride a bunch. So was fortunate to have a couple friends come through town and sort of get on their wheels. Fast friends, that is, as well. So Yeah, you've had like a, a big week. It's making me feel very sad with my shorter, tinier efforts, but you know what? I've also been going hard on the, the work front, the writing front. So well, and there's lots. these phases in life, right? Yeah. I think we're going to talk about this today a little bit, but the idea that, you know, we don't keep at this training camp volume year round, you know, someone's always going to be at training camp or doing a big ride on a certain day, but you know, we can't do that every day. We shouldn't do that every day, even if we can do it every day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and side note, the Olympics are happening right now uh, over on bicycling.com. I'm covering every single cycling event. So you can head there uh, in the mid-morning to check out race recaps, figure out what happened, get a quick idea of whether or not it's worth watching or so whether you should... So if someone was going to skip watching it and they wanted to just have enough knowledge that they could sort of bluff their way through, you're saying this is a good article to read. I have always thought, and I've pitched it to bicycling every year, I think, for the Tour de France, because I think I might be the only person who who writes for them who doesn't watch every stage or love every stage, and I've always thought we should have a, like a newsletter that goes out every day for people like me who don't really want to watch the tour, but also would like to be able to talk about the tour and sound like they know exactly what happened and watched it in minute detail. So it'd be like a quick recap and then one just random fact from some time during the race that normally wouldn't get covered, but that you could drop in casual conversation and seem like you watched the entire thing. Maybe the sort of, there's the different newsletters about world news and so forth right where you get it every day in your inbox and it updates you yeah you could do that and there would just be sort of did you see that you know the guy dropped his bottle or you know he was riding this special new bike or something exactly yeah. okay well there you go yeah so. maybe it already exists someone can let us know or or if someone you know wants to get that started maybe they have you know you can hire molly and she'll she'll do that i guess not even sure how I would do it because I'm like, oh no, would that mean I have to watch the right, whole thing? Now you thing? have to watch it and decode it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> oh, know. Maybe no. you could crowdsource it or something. Uh, yeah, I think that's our main. Was there any articles up this week that uh, people should know about? Yeah, we have a couple up on consummateathlete.com. We have one that I have talked about sort of ad nauseum when I'm doing women's talks, but it's sort of touching on a topic that I've been, you know, noticing more and more often in the past couple of years as, honestly, as jerseys get tighter and heart rate straps get more and more commonplace. Um, I've noticed a lot of women struggle with breathing issues on the bike. And I think it's because women are now wearing, you know, compressive sports bras under them. They have a heart rate strap that's in the exact same place as the heart, as the bra band. Uh, then you, you know, maybe have a base layer on top of that. Maybe you have bibs that actually now bib shorts tend to have this mesh front to keep the straps in place better. 
which is great in practice, but in reality, it's just adding another layer to our front. Uh, then we have these tight jerseys, and the style, I would say, of jerseys in the last few years has gone from where more most people were in kind of like club cut, a little bit more comfortable, to everyone is in very tight like a speed jerseys. Suit. Yeah. Uh, and all of that can lead to very compressed breathing, especially as we're going uphill and, you know, as we're more hunched over. Uh, so I talked about sort of the importance of making sure that your sports bra is not hindering your performance. I have a couple of recommendations, um, a couple of my favorite sort of longer line sports bras that avoid that issue. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's been really important. And I know for a fact that it's helped quite a few cyclists I've spoken to about this. So yeah, very important topic. So it's okay to go more mountain bike style sometimes, you're saying. Oh, a was... little baggier? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely one element. But I think that the bigger thing is really just trying to avoid that double band situation. Yeah. And once you can do that, that's generally like enough always, to get out of it. I always lament about Lululemon was making the sports bras that had the integrated strap. And for some reason, they stopped. You're right. Your life was very impacted by that. I don't know. I mean, if clients stop wearing heart rate straps, it sort of impacts me. I'm not going to say that I had any major pains due to this. But Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, you want people to be comfortable. It's important. It's true. So we have that. Uh, and we also have just a quick thing on getting over fear of open water swimming now that it's summer, now that more people are getting out and swimming in their various bays and lakes. Uh, I've personally been playing around in the Georgian Bay by us lately, and I think actually the, the big tip I have in it, and I have a bunch of other you know really great pieces of advice and some good goggle recommendations and everything, but the big thing I've noticed lately for me is having fun in the water instead of just thinking that you need to get in the open water and like immediately get to freestyle, speeding out, you know, going into the scary deep end territory. I've just been going to waist deep and putting on goggles and ducking in and just sort of breaststroking around pretending I'm like scuba diving and just sort of exploring around and my comfort level in the water has gone up exponentially hmm. well and maybe too if you're not coming into any major events as well mm -hmm. yeah start spending time in that environment it's important for swimming especially yeah exactly so yeah that's that's what we've got up there a few other articles as well so yeah again consummateathlete.com check it out cool yeah and i think the only other note is we have a couple plans i've been working on some of the event plans and pre-made plans uh some people really like those and you know they sort of get a training block of a month or two months or even three months in some cases sometimes they go even longer but often sort of in that range uh and so we are looking at i think there was a cyclocross one we got up on the training peak store this week and we had a six weeks to sort of your main mountain bike race. I think that's been up for a couple of weeks. People have been liking that one too. It's sort of some of my favorite sort of, you're starting to focus down, right? And that's a lot of us have been sort of in this uh, never ending maintenance mode. Uh, you know what Dan John might call that park bench, just sort of showing up every day and doing the work. And then maybe now you're getting excited. Maybe there's a race that seems like it's going to be happening. You're going to be able to get there. So now you're going to get into this bus bench, right? We're going to just start working a little harder, pushing those numbers a little more aggressively, right? Mm -hmm. So so hopefully that's where you've been and, and where you're ready to go to. Uh, I know that's sort of, we'll talk about that a bit today, but that's sort of what I'm. So a few of these plans, anyhow, going up and always open to requests for those as well. Perfect. All right. So let's get into our big question for today. Uh, which I really, really enjoyed. So we were asked, basically, how does one remain a consummate athlete while training towards a big goal? So this particular person is training towards her first 50K Do running race. Do you have a name? Sometimes it's nice to have a name. 
We do. We do. Okay. Yeah, I'm putting so, you on the spot. Uh, yeah, we have Isabel. Okay, so great. she's Good. she's training towards her first 50K. And she also wants to keep doing... This is 50K know, running? 50K running. Mountain running? We don't know. Okay. Not exactly sure, but we're training for our okay. first 50K. But she wants to keep, you know, climbing and paddling and kayaking and basically, you know, live in that consummate athlete lifestyle, which obviously we are very excited about and psyched on and love. But it's tricky. She's like, you know, wh- what do I do when I'm basically out of time and energy when, you know, running volumes going We get up? that question a few times, right? Or the gear. How do you afford the gear or <laughs> figure out how to use all the gear? Yes. And actually, I will, I will pimp out our book as you said that because we do have a whole chapter on sort of deciding what new gear you need. And I have kind of a whole matrix for how to go through that and the questions to ask. So I... Right. I, some of the crossover there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, where do you want to where do you want to start? With okay, this? well, I think just you know this is sort of you know it's almost like putting it up against and defending our our consummate athlete mantra or, or philosophy. So we want to go back a couple of episodes ago, a few episodes, months ago, even we ha- we did the sort of what is a consummate athlete and these four C's that we like, right? So we have cross training, consistency, community, and confidence. So the reason you know we like to have these cross training, that's really, you know, I, I like to summarize it all as cross training. We have different sports and, and most of us, you know, we're not elite athletes. We have some elite athletes who, who like this mindset, right? But they're elite. They're at the pointy end of the stick. They're going to have to do their sport a lot and at a high level. Most of us, you know, are, are just trying to stay fit, active, enjoy our community, you know, stay, you know, in the sport we love or sports that we love. And, and we have busy schedules, right? We, we only have so much time. That's what Isabel's saying here, right? I only have so much time, right? So probably Isabel's finding that she's actually maintaining a higher fitness. We could call this a base, a general fitness by doing her paddling. Maybe she's going to the gym at lunch. Maybe she's fitting a run in when she can't go for a bike ride or, or whatever, right? I'm putting, she didn't necessarily mention biking, but that's what a lot of my clients are like, you know, they're, they're going to the gym, they fit in a gym workout. Maybe the kids are in the gym with them over the last year, you know, the home gym, they just squeeze in a 30-minute run here, you know, and then they go for a bike ride when they can get that time, right? We use intervals so that we can, you know, go hard and get a lot of work done some days, and then we go long maybe on the weekend once, right? And, and we're mixing this, right? This is the weekly mix. And I do think that people do better with this, especially in that base phase or this accumulation of fitness phase, especially when we're busy people who can't, right? We don't have the option to do three hours of bike riding every day. Right? It's just not an option. So then what are we going to do to try and increase that overall work capacity? And, and we'd say cross-training, right? Consistently cross-training. Okay, so that's important. So we have that. Uh, I think that's probably the, the important piece with cross-training. Did I forget anything with that? I think that's, you know, location, motivation's high. Um, so Isabel's using cross-training. Now, from there, we want to look at who is Isabel and what is the goal? Okay. Okay. Is that one of the four C's or have you just like skipped ahead now? Well, I think the, the important thing was just cross training. Like within, I, I listed them, cross training, consistency, community, and confidence. So we're building that fitness. You know, she's probably out paddling with people. Paddling's the big one, I think here, right? She wants to keep paddling in while she's maybe running. Um, right. So again, she's using those. She's built up a, hopefully a good fitness base here. And that now she's saying, I want to get specific and I want to do this 50K run that's going to be a stretch because I've never done it before, right? So we have a fit person, 
but who's doing something that's pretty ambitious as their what we call their point B, right? The goal, the point B versus where they are now. They're not necessarily a 50K run finisher yet, but that's the goal, right? So the question then is, who are you and where are you trying to go, right? What is the point E? We say, you know, is she a beginner, an intermediate or advanced? We have a great post. I really, One of my favorite posts, I use it a lot, is sort of just trying to put us into different buckets, right? And, and sometimes beginner, people don't like that word. So we could say novice, right? You're early. Again, you're, you're a beginner 50K runner, right? We haven't done it before. We're not, you know, proficient. It isn't like our every, you know, we do many of these a year, which would might make us advanced. We haven't done one, which might make us more intermediate. I'm going to also throw in, I would say, uh, women are actually much more inclined to put themselves in the beginner category when they're actually intermediate or advanced. So it's actually not like as cut and dry as... Uh... The post goes into it a bit. I think you can attach a training volume to some of these, but you know, years you've done it. And again, just if you haven't done the thing, we're going to say you're a beginner at that thing, right? Not that you're not a runner or an intermediate runner, but you're just newer to it, right? And what this helps us isolate really is what is the limit what should we focus on in training so for a beginner the focus is doing the thing more or what we'd call frequency okay so frequency is sort of like consistency but it's like increasing the number of times in the week that you do the thing right so isabel's already said it's tough because you only have so many days a week <laughs> to do things right and if we want to paddle then it's hard to increase frequency but as you're getting closer to the thing, you're maybe trying to increase mileage, perhaps. But you're also just trying to run maybe once or twice more a week. And I think that's smart. Yeah, for sure. Now, here's where I kind of start like wondering if we, if we can maybe tweak things. Um, because in, in my sort of maybe casual observations of 50K runners or 50-mile runners, etc., I've seen a lot of people you know, gearing up for these first ones over the past few years since I've gotten into it. And I would say a lot of people go a lot higher in volume than they necessarily absolutely need to. And, you know, there's a lot of days during the week where there are these easy runs that I think at least one of them could get replaced by, say, that that paddleboard. I think the mistake people make is trying to replace their rest day with the cross-training thing. So instead of a rest day, we're going to you know, do our, our paddleboard or we're going to go climbing or we're going to go kayaking or whatever. Problem with that being now we haven't gotten an actual rest day. So I would maybe be more inclined. And again, it depends on the person and how much time they're actually spending training. But I would maybe take out that one shorter, easy run a week. You know, for me, it's usually Friday. I have my big runs Saturday, Sunday. So Friday is always a shorter, easier run. I would replace that with my cross training and do my stand up paddleboard or my bike that day. I think that's smart. Yeah. And I think it, you have to look at the the sport, right? I'll often get people, you know, if you think this is like your sport and we're counting this as your endurance cross training, you know, is the heart rate as such, or is this more of like a strength training or a really hard explosive interval thing? Is this more, you know, yoga? What is this thing that we're doing? So if this is pretty aggressive paddling, then I think you're right. This might be a great cross-training day but I see sometimes paddleboarding is pretty chill and it's more you know I, I would bucket this into normal person activity and you can probably just go do that in an afternoon if you have the time right if you had the time to get it on the water in an evening as like a recovery session that might be great right time in nature and certainly if that's going to satisfy the community require our 
community aspect of the four C's there. Yeah. You know, if you generally have friends who you go paddleboarding with and you don't really have a run community maybe set up yet, mm-hmm. then you really don't want to give up that stand-up paddleboarding because that is serving this really important need. And I think to, to get rid of it is going to put you in a, a much greater hole than if you just kept it in and, you know, maybe you're running a few less miles, but you've gotten to hang out with your friends and do that stand-up So I think that's, that's my only hesitancy is like, is it enough training stimulus? So let's assume it is. Let's say this is a pretty vigorous paddle, you know, heart rate's getting up. We're feeling a bit of fatigue as we get through this. So yeah, I think that's great. It can be endurance training, yeah, cross training. We're only talking about replacing a 40-minute run, not replacing your, your three-hour run. run or something. So maybe you have like an interval day or a hilly day, and then you have a long run probably on the weekend. You're progressing maybe. Uh, so we're keeping those in, right? So we're maybe running three, four, maybe five times at most, plus paddling once, maybe two times. But then as the race is getting closer, you're probably dropping to maybe once or or a shorter session too, right? There might be something there where you could run and then paddle or something to mix it up, a combo sort of brick workout almost. Uh, you cool. could maybe get away with that just to keep the paddling in. And as you say, you can also regulate, right? You can drop that paddle down to a much more casual pace. Same with kayaking, same with climbing, actually. Sort of all three of these activities can really be dropped to a very chill level if, you know, that's going to help your community side of things. Yeah, so we have a few other examples to sort of contrast with here. But I guess the other concept is this idea of periodization that we should bring in. Uh, Because there's some parts of the year we're going to have to hustle and focus on running, and preparing for a 50k so it might be four weeks it might be six weeks it might be eight weeks it could be 12 weeks of, of what we call might call a build or a race phase or a again utilization phase this is usually higher intensity higher specificity so we're running maybe with people if it's a mountain run we're running in mountains we're running with our pack if we're using a pack we're running with our fuel if we're running with a fuel we're working on paces if this is more of like a marathon run run uh on on pavement right you'll want to start building up sort of just that race pace race or we might call specific endurance so that's the idea we're going to have periodization and what the specificity means is you don't get to do probably a bunch of the other stuff that you like to do and this was one of my things that led us you know down this road of consummate athlete was i kept feeling like i was the fittest i was and the happiest i was uh coming out of the base phase so we'd be you know probably in california or something and doing all these rides. Perhaps the sunshine had something to do Probably, with that. Probably, yeah. I, fe- I feel like I've been self-medicating myself for that. But uh, anyhow, the coming into it, and, and I think that makes sense, right? You've built up this general fitness base. There's lots of variety. You've been doing these big adventures. You're probably, hopefully, training a bit with people, right? So things are good. And then you get into this more specific, and I always struggle because I think I enjoy the training. I know I enjoy the training a lot more than the racing. And then you have to go, you know, you end up traveling. You're, you're, you're this taper down of the volume, right? You're not getting to I go as far. I so much. You're probably riding around a race course, which is often not as fun as, you know, for, for in cross-country mountain bikes, isn't as fun as just going on a ride usually. Uh, so, yeah, so it changes, right? And you do it so that you push yourself, and that's the reason you were training to start off with. Side note on periodization, I think this is maybe a good spot to point out. After this particular 50K is over, it's maybe worth noting to yourself, okay, I really missed cross-training and doing all of the stand-up paddleboarding and kayaking during the summer at the best possible time to be doing it. Right. So maybe next year, if I'm going to continue pursuing these ultra-endurance things, 
maybe shifting to a fall race where you could actually keep doing all of your, you know, stand up pedalboarding and kayaking during the summer and then head into the fall and then get specific as the weather kind of turns towards not being great for it. So it's sort of optimizing our race schedule. That's a great point. Yeah. And that's, we talk about that in terms of, in the book and becoming a consummate athlete, as far as the, uh, you know, thinking more towards a family and family vacations. And often it's like, I'm going to do this 50 K run race, but I'm going to take a family vacation that it's going to be really stressful to run. And it's also in a flat, you know, we're in Florida and it's flat pavement only, but I need to be in the mountains preparing specifically. But and I also can't. I have the biggest work presentation of my yeah. entire life <laughs> yeah. the day before we leave on vacation. So there's that. Yeah. So we try and plan better in the future. We learn from these things. So yeah, you might, you know, do a paddling block, you know, as part of a big base phase in the summer. And then maybe, yeah, like Molly's saying, maybe the paddling gets less good in a certain part of the year. It could be too hot, you know, in August or something, right? And then maybe you build up the running or, or something like that. Maybe it's a spring running block when it's colder out. And then once you get into the summer, you finish the big race. Maybe it's more of a like June race and then you enjoy the summer, right? And doing sort of just a mixed summer block, right? And I think Which that's... Which is actually what I've done this summer. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of enjoying it now. My mm-hmm. big stuff was May and June. And now I don't really have anything on the calendar. Well, we're five years out. But the year we got married was also an Olympic year. Uh, it's been a five-year block here for these Olympics. Uh, and so we're just coming up on the, the Tokyo Olympics. And I remember that year because everything gets so front-loaded in a typical year um, so that everything's ahead of the Olympics. So, and then it, there was nothing. And I remember that year. I mean, we got married, so that was great times. But uh, there wasn't really much else the rest of the season. And, yeah, you just you can ride and run and, you know, do whatever you want. So it's it's funny. Yeah, so I think that's... The idea here is that we're going to try and hustle to get ready for this this date that we've set, whatever it is. And, and so that's good. But we know that there'll be a period after that where we can then do a lot of paddling, hopefully. Right. And, and we'll come back to it or we can do back the amount we want to do. We can do less running if we want as we recover. Uh, I think paddling and running are a great combination because you have arms and legs and different joints are working. So I think that's that's very, very good. I think probably beating us out we don't get a lot of these like arm based you know paddling sports we're not doing a lot of that so kudos to isabel for that so i think you know we've touched on this in some ways but again we we mentioned just briefly that point a point b where you know are you a beginner and intermediate advanced and then is this goal the point b is it ambitious have you done it before you know how nerve-wracking is this going to be for you to get ready do you have the gear are we testing all the gear so not to over like again i've raced a mountain bike a lot of times so i don't really get that nervous about it i have a mountain bike i have most of the gear i know how the races work too much of the gear i've been to most of the venues right so to get polished and ready for a mountain bike race you know isn't a big deal right it's a few weeks of maybe specific intervals and making sure my bike's set up and tire testing and suspension set up maybe uh you know pre-riding that sort of thing but it's not a lot right i'm always pretty close to that so versus someone who's starting into mountain biking has never been to any of these venues, doesn't even know how the race works, how many of the laps are there, you know, what category am I in? I don't have a license. So there's a lot of stuff, right? We could say admin and tactics and technical and mechanical and let alone the training, the fitness, right? Just building up that base of fitness. So that's why I say like it depends a bit. The advanced person probably could get away with the paddling as long as they're getting the advanced person isn't frequency. We talked about frequency for beginner. The advanced person's more concerned about the intensity and the speed because they're probably already carrying enough volume from whatever they're doing, however they train, that it's actually the, the, the key factor is is the intensity for them 
now we're assuming they have frequency and volume usually, but they can get away with, I think, not, you know, they could paddle twice a week and they'd probably be fine as long as they got whatever those key workouts were in. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is where you and I both kind of luck out a little bit. Uh, I didn't come to endurance sport till later in life, but I was still in my early 20s. So now that I'm 34, I can very easily look back and be like, I got in really young because, you know, it was, but at, at the time I was very late to the game. Uh, but I've now had 15 years of endurance training. So it's a lot easier to go out and, you know, just do a trail marathon or something on a week or two of serious prep and a quick taper kind of thing. Yeah. There's pro- and there's a few assumptions that like you're otherwise healthy. There's mm-hmm. not injuries, you know, life is not super stressful. Um, I was also lucky that I started in triathlon, not in cycling and not in running. So I always started from that multi-sport mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. So cross training was always built into triathlon training. So actually, yeah, for new athletes who are just listening to this podcast and trying to figure out what to get into, while I love both cycling and running, I would actually suggest that people start with triathlon because it's going to expose them to all three sports mm-hmm. right out of the gate and give you that taste of cross training sure. right away. Different communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's great for that. And I mean, when we did Ironman, that would be an example of where I wasn't super scared about the per- certain aspects of it. I had done a marathon, I had done a long bicycle ride before, but there was things like I wanted to do a really good job. It was my first time really riding a, a TT bike, like a triathlon bike with aero bars. Uh, so I needed to spend a lot of time on that bike, even though I absolutely did not want to, because it's just going in a straight line on paved roads. Uh, except for that time. <laughs> We're not that... going to talk about my crashes and gravel road es- exploits, but uh, and, and then the swimming was actually the major lever. And the reason we did it was to learn to swim. But that meant that there was some weeks that I think probably peak, maybe I got a, f- a f- one week of like, say, five times swimming, but it was probably more a three or four times in the pool, which some people who could swim would, would probably not bother doing that, right? They'll get away with two times in the pool, maybe as they approach an Ironman, maybe, right? Um, so for me, there was like lessons. And, and again, it was, a, I had to give up time on my mountain bike, time running on, in, you know, off road to run on pavement, to get my body ready for the running on the pavement and to pedal on pavement and a lot of swimming. And like, I didn't really want to swim, but it was like, you're going to learn how to swim. So again, it just took a bit of focus. And then once we got through that race, I could mountain bike a bunch and I just never rode the road for many months uh, to get over that. So there's that. I think the other last example then would be an intermediate. So intermediate is what we might call volume limited so they need to ride more which is hard sometimes and this article which we'll link to on the beginner intermediate advanced goes through that and just sort of like this is the idea like this is the limiting factors where the training should focus but it gets tricky when we don't have a lot of time and you say that volume is the limiting factor um so this would be someone you know they're going to do maybe they're a fit cyclist they've done some gravel racing but they're going to do something like unbound gravel a 200 mile super hot gravel race and so we've talked about this sort of challenge in a lot of times where, you know, they, they have a lot of things to improve on. There's probably some gravel skills, some gravel equipment, some mileage to accumulate, both specific to the race, but also just general fitness level because we're calling them an intermediate. They still need to build up their fitness level, however you want to define that, um, the level of the amount of riding they do. So they're trying to squeeze in those long rides on the weekend, right? They're trying to, you know, the, the two or three hour ride, 
building up towards a four or five for those in Canada. And with winter, the, the trouble with that race is very typically very early in the year, right? So they're coming into a spring race, but they haven't been able to ride gravel or outside. Maybe certainly riding long is tough for many months, right? So we're looking even into the summer and fall of the year prior to try and accumulate volume and experience on a gravel bike in the heat on rolling Hills with people before. Yeah, people might remember last year we actually posted an article that was it's there's, coming. there's less time to your goal race than you realize. Right. And it was I think I did it as a year out from Unbound and did the math to show that you might only have ten long rides before Unbound when you're three hundred and sixty four days away from the the race start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're all again, we don't have a lot of time, right? So it's how do you fit those in when you recover and you can only get away from family so much or you can, you know, winter comes. So, yeah. So that's the idea. So with intermediate riders, then with an ambitious goal, you know, we have to look at volume. We have to look at what are the skills they need to accumulate. And that pushes back that specific phase. That's why I say there's a big range there where we might even be thinking a year out or more about what has to be accumulated as far as fitness, as far as again, gear, all of this stuff right but so it could take a while where maybe we can't be paddling as much because we're trying to spend a lot of time on a gravel bike on bumpy gravel roads so that our body and our skills adapt to just riding on gravel roads which sounds straightforward but a lot goes into that right and i think people overdo it they get injured in a crash or just from the vibration from the you know it's just it's tough it's pretty hard on the body so so that's that so beginner intermediate advanced what is the point a is the point b ambitious yes or no And then that sort of determines what that periodization looks like. How far out do you need to be specific? How much wiggle room do you have to include some other cross-training in there? We try and be thinking about cross-training as augmenting our training load, but being careful that as we get really specific to that race phase, we probably need to pull out volume. This is what peaking is. And often that's going to come from the less specific training that gets pulled out. So this is we don't do a ton of long rides often before... Uh, most races um, that aren't specific, right? We're trying to be less fatigued and more specific as we peak for the event. Then we do it, and then we can go back to doing whatever the sport was we <laughs> were missing for this other thing. Um, so that's that. Where? What else did we? Did we miss everything or miss no, everything? Miss anything? Miss everything? Uh, no, I think that's that's a good sort of spot to end on. Is just the post race reflection of the what did you really miss doing while you were doing this, and that might. Be it might be that after you do the 50k, you're, you're just thinking, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I'm so glad I did all that training. There's also a chance you're going to be a little bummed that you missed, you know, a bunch of these other adventures. So if that is the case, if you are more bummed afterwards, it's time to look at the schedule for next year. Maybe like we said earlier, plan it out. So you're able to do the adventures that you want to do. Um, or it might just mean that that discipline is not the one that works really well for you. Which is I've, okay, too. I've shifted disciplines a lot of times over the years, uh, all within endurance. But, I mean, I've I've raced everything. And I was ha- – do you remember when I was on a crit team and I was racing crits? And my training for racing crits was I did that one ride and I right. hated it. Yeah. And then I, I loved the community so much that I stayed in it. But – I was miserable doing those races. I suck at crits. Yeah, cornering is not really not really my strong no. point. No, uh, and that that is sometimes it takes a while to pull yourself out of that for sure, right? But looking at what are the goals that are motivating, you know, and, and can you, you know, 
fit a lot of the stuff that you like to do into some of these bigger scary goals that you know maybe are the carrots you're chasing or sticks that that are you know keeping you training and whichever think, whichever motivating I think tool you like you say it all the time is the can you can you prepare for the goal you've set but more then importantly do, do you want, want to? to yeah yeah, that's so, another good post. We'll link to that post too. So many um, good posts to link to. Definitely check out the show notes. Uh, yeah, if over I just at, say so myself. Yeah. Over at consummateathlete.com. Yeah, so that's the idea. You see that all the time, right? Where we, we mentioned sort of the family that goes on vacation is the classic like July vacation for the family, and then the peak race is August 1st. And it's okay. And so we're going to train really well for a bunch of months, but then you're going to take a bunch of time off before the race. Or you're going to have a terrible family vacation because you're going to keep training. Yeah, right. And we, there's just no need to do that, right? So we can talk about these things with the family, plan this out. It might mean a different race. It might mean the family just comes for vacation right after the race, right? You come, you do two or three days before the race on your own, you do your race, and then the family arrives and, you know, there you go. You've burned all your energy and, and you're a you know, good person to be around. You're very relaxed. You're not in a rush. Uh, and you enjoy your vacation, right? So that can work really, really well. Um, and, and then sometimes you're in it, right? And sometimes that's just the nature of it. And that's the challenge, right? That can be, again, the the B, is this an ambitious goal? Uh, it, sometimes you're just finishing it, right? The Ironman goal we set, I was not trying to be a professional Ironman, right? That's ambitious. I'd have to actually train uh, like an Ironman for that, right? So I got away with a pretty minimal thing because I was just trying to finish it and not be completely, you know, I wanted to be able to mountain bike because we were out west. So this is where the ambition comes from, is if we're just trying to finish a 50K and not be injured, this is a different goal than competing, right? And really racing or setting a personal best or age group, whatever. Uh, this is why we have to look at that point B, because it does sort of set the goalposts for success. And also, you know, what are the sacrifices along the way to do that, right? And there are sacrifices. You know, some of this is, if it's ambitious, you got to put a lot into this, right? If you're going to really push your limits. Yeah, which... I think the last thing I'll say on this is no matter who you are, whether you're in that beginner, intermediate, advanced, whatever, doing almost the pro-con list of what am I getting, what am I giving up for this goal, I think is a really smart way to look at a goal before you set it. Because, I mean, you're going to confront the negatives at some point. So it's better to have them in your head right off the bat and know that those are going to be the things that you're going to be dealing with throughout it. I think we do put that in our goal set. I don't, did that make it into the book goal yep. setting? I know we shortened that a bit, but there's this idea of like, what, what will you have to sacrifice to, to reach this goal? Right. And it's, yeah. you know, often people say like, Oh, I'm going to have to eat better or, you know, miss time with the family or, you know, get up earlier in the morning than I like, you know, I'm a, you know, I like to sleep in or, you know, run that alarm right to the end, but I'm gonna have to get up early to get to swimming, you know, swimming and just, you can only for some reason swim when it's dark out. 4 apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's okay. That's what we're committing to. Right. And, and so when you start complaining to yourself and, and letting it slide, it's like, well, no, this is, this is the day to day thing. That's going to be the success on the race day. Right. And that's, that's what you're committing to. Hopefully that's exciting. And in a lot of ways, we're just taking a quick break from today's episode to talk to you about Inside Tracker. So, you want to take charge of your health and wellness. That's why you're here. You're trying to do all the right things for your body to get more energy, better sleep, and a healthy immune system, and you probably want to improve your performance. And of course, live a healthy, adventurous life for a long time. But it's confusing out there. There's so much information and misinformation, and what works for someone else might not work for you. You want a clear picture of what your body looks like on the inside. A clear measure of whether your diet and exercise choices are helping or hurting, 
and a clear idea of who and what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance. Founded in 2009, Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. The recommendations that come from the analysis are ultra personalized, and you can choose the ones that are most compatible with your lifestyle. Each recommendation is directly linked to a peer reviewed scientific publication. And Inside Tracker doesn't just show the normal biomarker zones, they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your body. And now, for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash consummate. That is insidetracker.com slash consummate. All right, now back to the episode. So, yeah, okay. So this, we have a second question. It's not as big a topic, but somewhat related. Um, so do we want to go with that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. this one is about ch- how to choose what race to return to. And right now, this is a huge topic. And the, the person in particular is asking, choosing between the, the new exciting race that you've never done. Maybe it's not an actual new race, but it's one that you haven't done. Or returning to an old favorite. Mm. And I mean, this year, more than any other year, it's a thing. And whether we're talking about what we're doing for the rest of this season or Geez, so many races are opening for 2022 and heck, 2023 registration at this point. Uh, that, Is that true? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because there's a lot of lotteries that are already full for 2021, oh, okay. 2022. So you got to get your name in that next one. So you're one. already putting in your name for 2023. And, you know, I mean, geez, we've heard about bikes getting ordered for 2025. So I'm four, pretty sure. Four, that's not exactly. Pretty sure some people are thinking towards that far in the future, too. So. It can be kind of tricky. You're, you're trying to figure out who you're going to be, what you're going to want to do a year and a half from now, a year from now, uh, or even just trying to figure out what to do with the rest of the season. And it can be tricky. I was just talking to a young racer, and not all of us are in this boat, but at the end of September, she has to choose between Road Worlds, Mountain Bike Nationals, or the UCI Cyclocross Race in Rochester. And there's also a couple of really cool, fun gravel events that weekend. Uh, It's a big weekend. There are a lot of directions that you could go just as a cyclist. So how do you you choose? Well, and I think we can go back to our four C's, right? This is our our thing. So, I mean, the idea of cross-training. So let's just call that training, right? What are the movements we like to do? Uh, I think should be a consideration, right? I I really like riding my gravel bike. I like riding my mountain bike. Not really big on road bikes. So, you know, this is a consideration. Okay, Road Worlds is out for Glassford. I want to, you know, I like to trail run. We've been doing a lot of trail running. You know, we have a good community for trail running, especially here. I would say biking, I maybe have a little less, uh, but not bad too. Uh, And then consistency, you know, what can I be consistent? I think the question we're asking, you know, with this particular question is, what is the race that's going to be really motivating so that my day-to-day, my consistency is, you know, what I would like it to be, right? Because that's really what we're doing here. We're just trying to keep that each day. Each day is a decent day, whatever a decent day is for you, right? You asked me the other day, we were talking about, you know, more of an existential, like, you know, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? And it was just like, sort of talking about like, what does a normal, you know, what would a normal day, a good day, but a normal day look like for you, right? And it's trying to like reverse engineer that a little bit, right? And this is, you know, maybe in opposition to like, what is the goal for five to 10 years from now is maybe just thinking even what do you want to be doing, right? Right. And then maybe you can figure out what's your job or what's your, where do you live? Or what are you doing? What are you riding? What are you running? 
paddling, I guess, if you're Isabel. So that's the idea. Consistency. What, what are you going to try and do? What's the big scary goal that's going to keep you consistent in the things you want to be consistently training? Uh, and I think that the confidence, just to round out the four C's, is important too. What was the thing you feel proficient at or, or you want to f- feel proficient at? I was going to say, yeah, which which goal is going to make you feel the best as you head into October? Is it going to be being national champion or being in the top 10 at national championships? Is it, you know, doing well in road worlds? Is it getting those valuable UCI points for the rest of cyclocross season? Which of those things is going to make you feel the most proud of yourself as an athlete? Yeah, I think that's a good example for sure. I mean, for most of us though, it's going to be even just, you know, do you want to do some gravel races or you want to do running if you feel confident running? You know, just thinking about when you go to these events, what is it like? Do you like the community? Do you talk to people? Are your friends there? And then when you prepare for it, again, do or can we prepare, you know, by doing the sports, riding the bikes, using the shoes uh, that we have, right? And that we do want to use, or are we going to have to do a whole, go a whole different way and do something that, oh no, I can't come today. You know, I have to do this type of training today, right? So it's, this is the idea of spiraling out of just, you know, is the life, you know, is the, are the things you're doing sort of including these community, including all these different things you want to do, right? Is it fun? Is it a friends, right? We could go into some F's, I guess. Yeah. 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 So do you have answers? Like what, anything else? How else do we choose these events? You put them out on a, you know, I, I sometimes make a spreadsheet of all the things. This is what I often do just even for clients. Cause I have like just all the weekends, right? And so you do the weekends, maybe down the, the vertical and then across the top, you could do the, the races by, you know, even category. So the gravel races, the cross races, and then you put them through and you can see like what's possible. Yeah, I mean, if I was trying to decide between, I'm just going to keep defaulting to these sort of four events of like, there's road, mountain bike, cross, and gravel happening the same weekend, what do I do? Uh, What I would do is I'd put all four races at the top of columns, and then I would think about all of the things that I need to do for each. So do I need accommodations for them? Do I, is it a travel? Is it a flight? Is it a drive? How am I going to get there? What is the training going to look? Am I excited about the training? So assuming that I'm pretty excited about training for all four of them, there might be one that I can just nix out based on what we already said. But if I was still just torn between the four, I would start looking down the logistics and probably add in some questions on, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how excited am I about this event? Who's going to be there that I know? Are any of my best friends going to be there? Can my family come to this one? Just start laying out basically pros and cons for all of them because you might quickly find that one of them is going to be a really expensive endeavor when you look up the entry fee and the accommodations in that area. Cost benefit. Yeah. Yeah, So start doing a little bit of research. I'm not saying take days to figure this out. I'm saying do like a 15 minute just quick dive, like quick and dirty. Can you register for the race? Uh, A lot of stuff is really full right now. So there's a chance that your gravel event might actually already be too full for you to even enter. So that might, that one might just get X'd off right away. I said that, yeah, a client was asking about an event. And I'm like, before we go too far down this, could you just double check that, you know, you can register. I think it was, you could register, but it was the waves. Like, so you'd be very far back. Right. and, And they're, you know, a pretty high caliber rider. Uh, so it's not of interest, I guess. Uh, so it sort of ends that discussion. And as Molly says, you sort of cross that off your decision matrix. And then I think there's also the time around it. So for a lot of us busy people, race 
racing, especially when it includes travel, is going to be basically a lot of our vacation days. So I would think about asking my family, or in my case, asking DW and you, uh, which is there one that seems like it would actually be fun to go to, maybe spend a day or two afterwards, uh, which would they rather support? Uh, or which, yeah, which can, when can you get away and how many times is reasonable, right? So you might only have one race weekend a, a month. A lot of clients have actually moved towards this. You know, our book has sort of maybe pushed things that way a little bit. Uh, but they've just found, you know, through com- communication, it's, you know, this gives them three weeks to train, one big race, three weeks to train, one big race. It's a nice, nice rhythm, right? And I think that lends to that periodization idea we were talking about with Isabel. And I think this helps decide the question is, what phase are you in on this weekend of all the races you're talking about? If you're a mountain biker, and that's in the mountain biking phase of your year, then there's the decision. Race the mountain bike race, if that's like, especially if it's nationals. You know, if you finished that phase and you, you are sort of building into a cyclocross thing, then you should start your cyclocross season with this race. It's a great opener, mm-hmm. right? If you're still doing road or you're building towards road nationals, then the, I think this answers it, right? But the sometimes we get into trouble. Some people can do this very well. They bounce between all the events and that's part of what they like to do. And that's, that's the goal, right? This is the point B, but they probably have a point A of I've done these events and have all these bikes. And that's what I like about the sport is all the gear and the community. And I go to all these races. That's who I am. A lot of people though don't do that and so thinking very what can i train for that's the block i'm doing yes that means i'm not doing a bunch of things i will do cyclocross in the next block you know i'll get that bike ready sell my mountain bike or whatever i have to do and then get the cross bike ready and get a couple intervals in pretend i know how to dismount my bike and go for it yes and then i think the last thing i would say about this is i Sometimes this comes down to the thing that you and I will disagree the most on. Oh, people like our disagreements, so here we go. This one's this one's a pretty lame disagreement, but okay. you I'll and try I... and make it more vigorous. Okay, okay. yeah. Uh, so what you and I disagree on is you would you love going out and finding your way on new trails and new roads, and never taking the same road during a run. I love a good old out and back. Favorite kind of run to do. I find them very soothing. They're just very comfortable for me. I know where I am. I know exactly how much longer I have to go. That makes me happy. That is my happy place. Your happy place is not really knowing exactly how far it's going to be before we get home. We might run out of water. We might run out of daylight. Who knows? And that's what makes you happy. So when it <laughs> today, comes to... My brother will be the only one that gets this, but today we ended up in Proton Station and I was like, oh no, Proton Station. <laughs> Sorry if anyone's actually from Proton Station, but it's the middle of nowhere. And it was the opposite direction we were supposed to go by several, several kilometers. This is why I make Glassford file like a flight plan before we go on rides <laughs> we together. We were well off of that, but yeah, Proton Station. Yeah. So my point being, when someone is trying to decide between doing the same race that they've done before versus a new, exciting, scary challenge, and their heart is sort of telling them to do the race that they've done before you know, stick to the, the one that they know, it's okay to stick to the race that you know and love. That is perfectly fine. No one is judging you for the fact that you don't want to do the big, exciting, shiny, scary, like terrifying new race. It's totally cool to do the same race that you've done every year if that well, makes like you happy. This is like a Vanderpool versus uh, Nino. 
There right? you go. Nino's won a lot of world championships in the one discipline. Not that he doesn't do other stuff, but you know, he's not doing the Tour de France and racing road and, and that sort of stuff. And I don't know. I think there's a lot to that. Some of us, if you focus, this is how you become, uh, what do we call it? They call this an advanced or expert rider. You do the thing a lot for a lot of years, right? And so if, if, if you like that, I still race those same little mountain bike races, mostly our provincial level. And you can have new goals in them, right? Like you can set new time goals and you can want to PR and you can try new things in them and everything. And in some ways they're actually better because you can, you know, your limits from last year. So you can actually push those limits. You have time splits and sort of realistic expectations for what could happen and what you could well, possibly Well, I think you can do. actually set a performance goal. When Ellen was on, Ellen Noble was on and she said like, that's how you get them is you complete. She didn't say complete. That's my thing. Complete or to compete, but you do it a lot of times. And now you have a reference for, you know, when Ellen does, you know, whatever, a national caliber race, she expects to be whatever placing, right? Or, or in the top 10 or in the top five, uh, whatever the event is, right? And, and so there's a, a tr that's triangulated off of a lot of results where like in general, if you're on form, this is where you end up given the people that are typically at these, right? And you start knowing these things. But when we start, you have to complete and it, you know, maybe you win and that's gravy, but you know, you got to complete. So the nice thing about doing quote unquote, the same old thing is you're getting better at it, right? You're getting repetitions of the event. Yeah. So just wanted to throw out there that the sexy new race that every, all the cool kids are talking about doesn't necessarily have to be the race that you need to do. You can do the race that you've done for the past five years and have an amazing time and feel like you're, you're moving forward in your athletic career. Perhaps so. good too coming back. If it has been a while through the pandemic with, you know, no racing is to do something at least somewhat familiar. If you remember, uh, so that you, you know, you do, you can come back and it's not completely new, right? It's racing, but you'll remember how once you're in, uh, exactly. versus, you know, going right into something else. Uh, that could exactly. be an idea. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap up on that note. You don't have to be sexy to have an amazing race season. Okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And so hopefully people, you know, we've gotten some decent feedback here. So we are going to do more of these Q&As. So feel free to, again, via Instagram, we have a contact page at consummateathlete.com uh, where you can submit questions and, and these can go in any direction, right? We're open to whatever uh, we are consummate athletes, right? So we can entertain in all different uh, domains, I guess. Yes, and do us a huge favor. If you haven't already, please, please, please leave us a rating or a review. Uh, it helped me get DW the Wonder Dachshund when everyone left us a bunch of rev reviews last year. So I don't know. Maybe we can maybe we can get a second Dachshund if we... Right. Yes. Amazing how you turn those review points into a dog. But yeah, yeah there you go. Yep. Yep. So thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next episode. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.